Hello and welcome to the All Terrain Podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. My name is Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way, they'll make four choices and answer four questions. My guest for this episode is Dr. Kate Middleton. Kate is a psychologist who is a director of the Mind and Soul Foundation and project director at Headstrong, an online wellbeing space for teenagers and young people. She's a church leader, speaker, author, wife, mum, and a keen cyclist. And it was absolutely brilliant chatting to Kate earlier this month. So let's get straight into it. Hello, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. It's really good to be with you. Now, you are, of course, Dr. Kate. Do I call you doctor or do I call you Dr. Kate or can, is Kate all right? Uh, well, any combination. People use them all. I have to be distinguished, of course, from the other Kate Middleton, uh, although it's yes. usually me who's known as the other Kate Middleton because <laughs> apparently she is a little more well-known than me. Uh, just a tad. Does it ever happen on Twitter? That's my big question, actually. Does it ever happen on Twitter? It it definitely comes up. And yeah, I there are quite a few people who follow me on social media who I just think, uh, surely at some point they'll realize I am not her it's like that poor guy every Christmas called John Lewis, isn't it? It's like that poor guy every Christmas when the advert comes out, he, <laughs> yeah, has, to, he has to go back and go, stuff. thank yeah. you, I'm really glad you like the advert, but it's not me. You know, it's just that, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I am sometimes asked to comment on significant events in their life. <laughs> I did join a Zoom the other day, though, where I had to nip out because there was a small sort of child-related incident in my household. So I just turned my camera off and nipped out. Mm. And in the meantime, we'd been put into uh, breakout rooms. So this breakout room, there's like 20 people on it. And they just had like a square box with the name Kate Middleton on. And when I came back, they were discussing like, oh. do you think it's really her? Do you think? Uh, is she going to join? Like, which one? Do you... And I, I didn't know then what to do. Should I join and disappoint yeah. or just let them continue in the excitement that maybe... Her Royal Highness was lurking, listening to their conversation. Well, hope deals the hardest blow, right? Is that thing? Everyday gotta, dilemmas. Yeah, you've got to really build it up to them. Now, we've yeah. talked a little bit in the intro about what you do. So obviously <laughs> the Mind and Soul Foundation, Headstrong, which lots of people listening would know about as well. Um, tell us a little bit about what it is you do. So I'm a psychologist by background. And I mean, I'm in the amazing, I'm so blessed. I'm in the amazing position of getting to work with loads of different spaces. But basically my passion is about helping people overcome the challenges of 21st century living to really release everything that they are designed to be so it's about really helping people not just survive life but thrive so I get I get to work in all kinds of different contexts obviously lots of them through various different church spaces across all denominations but also I get to work with many other groups like schools local community organizations and stuff like that so I have lots and lots of variety lots of speaking teaching I've written a bunch of books stuff like that Amazing. Now we're going to talk a little bit about your work, but outside of that very important work you do, uh, you also, uh, you talked about having a, a small person, you're, you're a mum, you're a wife, I hear you're a cyclist as well. What, what happens outside of yeah. all the work? What goes on in that part of your life? Yeah, so uh, I married, I have two kids. So my daughter is, uh, she is, uh, she's doing a GCSEs or not GCSEs this year, as she would say. So we are in the middle of exam fever Mm. right now in the Middleton household. Uh, My son has just turned nine. Uh, Yeah, so that absolutely like central thing to my life, like focusing Mm. on that. And like you say, this weird year where 
all of all of our worlds have sort of been pushed into one quite small space. Mm. So we've we've done pandemic together. My husband's a solicitor in London, so he's been working from home mm. for gosh, a long time. I've never seen so much of him. It's bizarre. Well, so he's in the little room above, I'm in this little room below, and that's basically where we've been. It's really odd, isn't it? And also I, I keep saying to people, it's almost like we've all like all relationships. I, I don't care what stage of relationship you're at if your relationship makes it through this year we should all give ourselves some sort of parade <laughs> because it's been tough right and, and anyone who's been there and part of that oh, yeah. I think is just we've become incredibly boring to each other you can no longer come home at the end of the day and talk about your day because you were there it's like everyone was there oh yeah I heard I that think it, yeah I definitely think that and we have definitely been running low on conversational mm-hmm. topics <laughs> at times but also just because everybody's stress level has been yeah. raised I mean it there are many reasons why this season has been stressful, but even just all the changes and mm-hmm. losing your regular routine mm-hmm. and rhythm of life, you know, your your mind usually uses that to keep your stress mm-hmm. level low. And and because emotions like sort of anxiety, but particularly frustration in a household space and in marriages mm-hmm. and relationships, mm-hmm. because that operates on the same physiological system, I just think everyone's tolerance has been particularly low. I know mine has. So yeah, those little niggles yeah. in like married life, in, there have been times in lockdown where I'm like, seriously, why would you load the dishwasher that way? Are you trying to push me over an edge here? It's just like that is not going to get clean at that angle. I feel that pain. I cannot handle that today. Because apparently of all the things I can do in the world, the one thing I am incapable of doing, no matter how often I'm taught, is load a dishwasher. So your husband and I am joining oh, him in heart and soul on this moment. It's just physics. Think about the jets, people. <laughs> Think about the Jets as the advert for this podcast. Do you hear that, everyone? That has to, if that's not the advert, I don't know what's going to happen here. And one, and one final thing, just before we get we get stuck into the the hypothetical hike. If people look you up, if they go to find you online, they'll see that it says you're a, you're a church leader and there's there's reference. But you've actually made quite a shift in the past six months in what it actually is you do in a church space. Tell me about that. Yeah. Because I thought global pandemic wasn't enough change for a year. So I've I've actually been exploring for about five, six years now, a call to sort of ordained ministry. I've been a leader working in the church and leading at a senior level now for more years than I really want to think about. But let's just say more than 15, because mm. it makes me feel about 100. <laughs> but in, in the last five, six years, I really felt God start to speak about becoming ordained Mm. and it's taken me that long to explore what that Mm. actually means and recognize that it was actually a call to Anglican ordained ministry and and as a result of that over the last year I've had to leave the church that I've been serving in for most of those over 15 years uh and 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 continue to explore that so yeah I actually left my church which was Zeo Church in Hertfordshire awesome church amazing bunch of people and and really have been my family for most of those 15 plus years and I'm now serving at our local Anglican church and um just continuing to explore that call so it's been exciting it's been um it's been a lot of change and it and it's been probably the hardest thing I've ever done actually mm. so uh yeah yeah I mean luckily I'm I do really like change uh but I'm thinking I might stop saying that just for a little while we're going to get into that in just a minute because we're going to go into our four yeah, choices yeah. and our four questions now uh, we've got to get started with the two choices so it's a hypothetical hike first thing I need to know is where are we walking oh interesting so hypothetical hikes and because 
we've been stuck in the UK for a very long time. Mm. I think we would have to walk somewhere in France. My family and I lived two years in France. Oh, wow. And we are apparently all very much missing France. Okay. So um, it would need to be there. So we could just stroll around Paris. We lived in Paris. Okay. And my husband and I do love to just walk round and round that beautiful, beautiful city. So we could just walk round and round there. Or you could go to the countryside. We live just on the western edge of Paris. So there was some nice country around there. But Lovely. hey, I'm pretty, pretty relaxed as long as it's out of out of england and are, are you fluent can you speak can you speak french i speak bad french oh, see, really well okay so my husband and my daughter because she went to french school so she's like proper fluent okay okay and sounds like a you know sounds like she's properly french my husband speaks really good french okay. uh, and they're both also very good at languages so they spend a lot of time correcting my grammar but to be honest that happens in english quite a lot too if your issue with french is that they're correcting your grammar you and i speak a very different bad french you're probably a bit better than you're letting on there that's what i'm what that's what i'm sensing from your answer well, we lived there for two yeah, years, yeah, okay, so I can okay, definitely fine. Okay, get I think by. we're all right. I mean, I, I, I was a bit worried yeah, when you said you weren't yeah. good, but honestly, if grammar's the worst of your worries, then honestly, you'll be fine. I'll just stay quietly at the back. Now, who else is coming? Uh, we, you get to bring some people with you, one living, one dead, one fictional. Who's joining us on the hike? Oh, one living, one dead, one fictional. That's tricky. So, so... Well, so living is hard because all the people I would usually choose, like I say, I have been stuck in a yeah. house with for quite a long time. So I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I've been thinking about that when I've been back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What do you say? One living, one dead, one fictional. Oh. You see, part of my problem here, I'll be honest with you, is I am your classic introvert. So I do a lot of walking and biking. My purpose is to get away from people, nothing personal. I love you all dearly, people. But when I get out, I quite like to do it on my own, in my own head. So I'm not super used to thinking about companions. I have people like my husband and family who are often wanting to come with me on these sorts of outings. And I'm like, you have not understood why I'm doing this. Let's, let's rule with that because actually a lot of people just play play the game basically you know we go we do that and but some people don't some people go I can't really answer that or I don't know and so on that one that actually tells us quite a lot about you and the fact that for you if you had the chance to walk around France you don't even want me there really do you even if I bring the mics really it would just be it would just be you I, I especially now after a year I think that's why I'm struggling yeah. to think of who I would yeah. want to be with because I'm thinking actually what I'm missing the most is is alone time well I'll tell you what for the purpose of this episode, we're going to break the rules. You don't have to bring anyone else with you. I like breaking rules. And if you think of anyone along the way, well, who knows? They might they might pop up along the way throughout the questions. We'll find out. Now, all the guests on the Ultra Podcast answer the same four questions. So, Kate, here's the first one. How do you face change? Yeah, so I, I do really like change. In fact, one of my, uh, probably one of my weaknesses is that I get bored quite easily. So um, I, I, I really enjoy change. And, and, and it's something that I go into quite readily, quite happily. How, I'm, so how do I face it? it, it that sort of implies that I find it hard. I face it with great joy, <laughs> usually. And mm. I always like to look about, look at new opportunities and think about new ways of doing things. I'm quite, quite a creative thinker. So if you start yeah. to offer me an opportunity for change, that's what I'll start doing, thinking about all the things that that could be. I love possibilities. That's something I talk about a lot. And change is always about mm. that for me. It's interesting that you picked up on the fact that the way the question's written, how do you face change, would sort of imply a negative to that. Yeah. I guess for me then the question is, when you think about that word, just the word change, is it an instantly positive reaction in you? Um, 
Yeah, it is actually. It immediately, in my mind, that word immediately starts to produce pictures that are about space and and opportunity. What what I what I find really hard is being hemmed in by things uh, mm. and by sort of regular pattern in the everyday. So for me, it's it's definitely a positive a positive word. Yeah, mm. I get, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I guess for many people, when they think about change, the the impression is that their comfort is to be disrupted whereas what you're seeing is something very different which is almost you've used words like hemming in you've used words like freedom all the language is very much pointing towards a sense of um static or unchanging is where you would feel discomfort would that be fair yeah definitely so i've been i've been we just we just had the um the oscars haven't we as we were recording and so the the film mm. nomad has just had and i'm like i haven't seen that movie because i haven't been to the cinema in over a mm. year because obviously none of us have but i love the sound of that like that nomadic mm. lifestyle like the, the freedom to move around that's awesome for me so i'm i'm not a huge planner uh and i guess mm. in my in my faith walk that's been really useful and i do think that's a bit of an advantage because I'm I'm always able to be open to stuff. So when God does call me to stuff, even when it is totally left field, so for me being called to be ordained has been a totally unexpected thing. Mm. I'm but I'm I'm very up for it because I'm not someone who has a life plan. I I don't I don't have in mind a, the way I thought that my journey would go. I never thought I would be doing mm. any of the things I'm doing. So I it's just an amazing privilege to get to do what I get to do, and I'm always open to whatever the next step on that journey might be. So for people then who might be um, listening and going, oh, I'd, I'd love to be more like that. I'd love to be more open to change, but I, it freaks me out. I really like being comfortable. I really like where I am. Are there small steps people could take if that was a, a way they wanted to be more like, if that was a change they wanted to make in themselves? Are there little things people could do to kind of get, get towards that? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's interesting. Like having said that, I this, this year, this last pandemic year, even for me has been a real challenge because I think it's questioned like, where what are we building our life on what are your foundational stones you know um in some ways you're able to be more up for change if the things that you're building on are not things that are going to be changed by that so the more solid the more secure your sort of foundations are on and 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 I've 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 been lucky through perhaps less lucky uh directions but because you know I did I didn't have the easiest background growing up and stuff once I once I found a faith and became to know more and more about God, I, I started to build my foundations on that. So I did have a real journey of starting to understand myself and everything that matters is sort of rooted in my faith and in my knowledge of God. And in the last year, that's been that's been kind of a bonus, but it has also mm. been really stretched because in pandemic, we've hit so many of our limits, haven't we? You know, we've li- hit the limits of our capacity and the limits of our strength and, and mm. uh, the limits of our control because life has mm. changed and almost all of us have lost or had things changed that we wouldn't want changed. And so that does, does really push you in it. For me, that question of like, how strong is that rooting? How strong is that anchor? You know, like it's like that little ship bobbing on the waves when, when suddenly the waves get really stormy, like how strong is your anchor? How much can you take? Can you take? Can you hold this? And I, and I do think for us as leaders and as people supporting other people, because almost all of the roles that I work in, that that's my job is to support mm. other people when they're going through times of crisis. And for me, it's mm. been a unique year because I've been in the storm as well. Um, yeah. But my challenge as a leader is to to be rooted in something that means that I can hold my nerve 
so that I can support mm. other, you know, I can I can keep myself and my loved ones afloat mm. and therefore mm. reach out and support other people too. And so that mm. that that has been that push of like, where's your identity? So what what would be my advice to people is, you know, the world teaches us so much about what our identity and our security should be found in. And most of those mm. are pretty flimsy actually. So to to sit and really intentionally think about that stuff and pray about that stuff and like what does it mean? to find your identity in something other than what the world tells you it should be. Um, and, and those are things you have to pick yourself up on, I think, every day because there are always nudges to, you know, you want to be more successful, you want to be more perfect, mm -hmm. you want to have more likes on Instagram or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. so to, to, to really challenge some of those things deliberately and proactively. In terms then of people who would perhaps react very badly to change people who would go I just don't know why it is but that's would it be is there a correlation then between someone's foundational identity some of those core things is that a reason why change might trigger people in the way it can do everyone is different and everyone's life journey is different everyone's personality is different um so we talk about control freaks but actually I I, I mean actually I I kind of like control. That's a whole other story. But um, I think all human beings are control freaks to some degree because we're all designed to need to have a sense of I can control the things that matter to me in my world and my space and stuff like that. Mm. So we all express that somehow. But I think sometimes we have come to, to sort of root and build our found those foundational things so like what what mm. makes me valuable what makes me lovable um mm -hmm. what 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 are the important things that i need to control so that everyone who i love is is safe and secure and sometimes life has led us to build those on things that are are a little more risky and um yeah so, so sometimes that can be the source particularly of anxiety so talk about i mean mm. perfection for example, is a really interesting theme in our culture because mm -hmm. some people's personalities mean that they they love perfection. They have this perfectionism tendency. But also I think our culturing increasingly encourages us. It sort of teaches us and schools us in a world where we're we're supposed to want to be perfect. But 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 if you use perfectionism to try to control your anxiety or to build your self-worth on, so like I am I am worth something because I'm perfect or I don't need to be anxious because everything is perfect and secure and then you you are gonna be anxious because I don't mm -hmm. know if you can remember the last time you had a one hundred percent perfect day, but I, I don't my life isn't like that and, and and I'm just not high achieve maybe I'm just not high achieving enough to even consider for a wild moment living life like that but so I think sometimes sometimes it, it can be a source of anxiety that we're trying to build yeah. our life on foundations that that feel quite flimsy you know I love the the message translation of the the story Jesus tells about the the guy who builds his house on the rock and the guy who builds his house on the sand, you know, that's a story about foundations. And the message translation of that says that some things we build our life on, it's like building a house of cards, you know, one puff of wind and the whole mm. thing feels like it could just yeah, fall down. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the things that our culture encourages us to believe are important feel like that. And that's very anxiety provoking. I think in the church that can be a, a, a an issue as well, particularly around leadership. And this year, I mean, if we think about this last year, all of a sudden, anyone who leads, anyone who preaches, anyone who does anything, you've got the chance to retake. You've got the chance to do it again. As someone who does have a little 
perfectionist streak in him which drives everyone around him completely do lally uh but but and does cause anxiety I, I can absolutely testify to that the idea that i can do a sermon and then re-record it or just try it one more time because the light wasn't right or just do it one more time oh because man I, I fluffed that word and madness I don't like it. lies oh honestly hon- honestly year. i have this last year honestly i think it's been really difficult because i yeah. think for people all of a sudden the chance if you stand up and you, you give a talk or if you stand up and you lead a service, or you stand up and you lead your youth group, you, you fluff a line, you get the thing the wrong way around, you go, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that, I meant this. You read the passage wrong, whatever it happens to be, and you get on with it. All of a sudden with the camera and no one else there, you go, well, if I just, it'll take 10 minutes, but it'd be nice to have it right, wouldn't it? It's sort of pushed all of us into that that place of it, of perfectionism creeping in, I guess. Yeah, well, and I, I think this year for those of us who are in leadership has has asked some really interesting questions around some aspects of leadership so that are always there in the background. So, yeah, performance. Like, lead, we're always slightly, if we're honest, playing that game. That there's a, there's a fine line between performance and some of the forms of leadership, particularly for some people, mm-hmm. like you say, preaching, teaching, if you're on a platform. Mm-hmm. Social media, if you have a following, what is your identity on? So I, mm-hmm. I've supported leaders across many fields throughout lockdown, many of the sort of frontline spaces, NHS Mm. leaders, school leaders, and a lot of church Mm. leaders. And I think now, particularly in this season, church leaders are some of the the people who've had the toughest time in terms of the challenge Mm. to their normal Mm. routine, but also their Mm. normal expression of identity. And church leadership is particularly interesting in that because it is so much more than a job. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't just what you do. It is who you are. And and, and for me, particularly exploring the, the, a, a call mm-hmm. to ordain ministry, where there is that sense of this, this is something about who you are as a person. It's an expression of a, a, a part of your identity. So how do you mm-hmm. hold that really well whilst also mm-hmm. not rooting yourself in this is who I am? Because mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, sometimes life challenges things and illness or unexpected stuff means that we can lose some of those positions. But yes. but also, I think having a healthy sense of identity that means that you can shake things up is, is really important as a leader. So if God does call you to step aside from something, to let something go, to move into something new, we all want to be able to have that flexibility, the adaptability, mm. the mm. the ability and our security and our maturity to, to step into new things. But it's really tough, which I could definitely... Uh, I can definitely attest to out of this year. One of my favorite fra- phrases coming out of the year of my learning is that maturity sucks. That is what I have mm. decided mm. Um, because yeah, it's, like it. it's really tough, you know, mm. and, and you, I, on the one hand, I can tell a story of my last year, which is, you know, looks really glossy and like, oh yeah, it's about God calling me into new things and stepping into mm. a new season. And it's really exciting. And, and all of that stuff is new. But it's also been the toughest thing I've ever done. And it's absolutely been right. And I'm absolutely 100% confident Mm. that it's what Mm. God's been calling me to do. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't triggered some of the toughest moments and the most difficult emotions that I've ever had. And and that, you know, having to step away from significant seasons in our life is really, it's difficult, isn't it? It's really difficult. Interestingly, at the beginning of 2020, when I was praying like, God, what's the thing that you want me to be speaking to leaders this year? It was the story of Peter and the disciples in the storm and Jesus isn't with them. They're out on the Sea of Galilee and uh, and then Jesus walks across the water to them and there's this moment when 
Peter walks, steps out of the boat and he walks on water too. And 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 it was this sense of that, that God was saying to me, I, I want you to talk about how do you hold your nerve in the middle of chaos? Mm. Now, the mm. joke was entirely on me because little did I know mm. when I started preaching that January, February 2020, mm. what we were mm. all about to go into mm-hmm. and just how much my own life and everybody else's life mm. was about to be shaken mm. up. But that mm. is that challenge, you know, Peter in the storm with his eyes on Jesus is able to release a potential in him that he should to, to do something he should never have been able to do. But I love the humanity of the moment yeah. because then suddenly he's like looking all around him and the wind and the waves and he's like, what am I doing? This is crazy. I am so out of my depth. Yeah. And he sinks. And and that balance between, you know, the, the leadership version of ourselves with our eyes on God, like full of faith, mm-hmm. doing it versus the Mm -hmm. human version of like what am I doing Mm -hmm. this is actually really scary like what if I've made a huge mistake I'm leaving behind everything I've stepped into a storm those two things exist at the same time and that's why I love that story and and nothing brings them to the fore like having to make a big change whether it's getting out of a boat or leaving a church family you've been part of for 15 years or a pandemic comes along and change and and takes away everything that you thought your life or your ministry or your career or your everything was built on nothing brings that dichotomy to the to the fore quite like having to make a big change and I think that's fascinating but but I'm in but the the dots join for me then because when you talk about then the fact that you've done that work on your identity and who you are and then you we talk about Peter getting out of the boat and having his eyes fixed on Jesus for you then is having your eyes fixed on Jesus the best way to face change yeah I mean absolutely I mean and and we have such an amazing gift in that because we do have something mm. solid, you know, it makes me think of, mm. uh, I, I do a Pilates class regularly and when we're balancing on one leg, which is like something we do quite a lot as part of that class, the, my, the teacher who's a good friend mm. of mine, she always says like, fix your eyes on something unmoving, um, mm. something that's not moving. And, and, and it always makes mm. me smile because that, that's what we do when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Like mm. he is solid. Mm. When the whole world is shaken, there's only one thing that doesn't change mm. and that's God. Mm. And, and I think the more we can do that, and it's it's a journey, isn't it? You know, mm. some days I do it really well, other days not so well. But but to be able to do that helps us to to keep our balance. You know, I talked to this year, a lot of what's happened in pandemic has felt like emotional vertigo. It's like everything is spinning. Mm. So what do you focus on in those moments? And, and God is a great place to start. But also just the... The relief. So, if we talk about emotional well-being and sustaining your mm. your 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 emotional health, it's about like where do you find solace? Where do you find sustenance? Where do you find sustainability? And um, that I love the words of A. W. Tozer when he talks about worship. He talks about in worship, what we do is we take our eyes off ourselves and we we focus them on God. And he calls it blessed riddance. And I so love that phrase because it because it is the ability to mm-hmm. lose ourselves and and just change our perspective when the world just sometimes feels a little bit much and, mm-hmm. and focus on God and think about the kingdom of heaven and, and the beauty of everything that God is. That's mm-hmm. that is blessed riddance. And some days that's what gets you through. You're like, I just need a moment where I pretend the real world is literally not here. Well, some days it's all you've got, right? Some days it's 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 all we've got, and it's interesting because uh, question one and two always link so beautifully, just because of the way uh, Alexander John Shire has written them. But to move then from change into suffering, which is often a form of change, but again, I guess it has something deeper to it in that sense. The, the question is, how do we move through suffering? Yeah, and and I think the important thing to remember is that suffering is part of 
it's 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 part of our life and our life experience you know i work a lot with mental health mental well-being for adults but also speak a lot to young people about this mm. and i think you know so e so it's easy to get the impression that if you do everything right in life you can somehow avoid difficult times but that just isn't true life is about challenge and actually some of the best moments in your your life are also some of the most challenging i mean you know like get married have a child you know these things are they're amazing but they're also going to push you probably to some spaces that you perhaps never thought you had in you in terms of your emotions and the challenge and some yeah. of the things that you'll face and and i think yeah. doing doing those journeys through suffering doing it together doing it with good friends mm. doing it with in mm. relationships i i think the the exploration and the growth that we do as part of that in so many ways um it is about that that question of of rooting because i think if you're rooted in something solid that isn't you then what you can do is you mm. can allow yourself not to be perfect and you can allow the people around you not to be perfect because we're all human beings the the only space that we get that all complete sort of perfection is in god and if if you're if you're ultimately your needs are being met there then there's more freedom to to allow some of the movement and the give and take within relationships including your relationship with yourself that says actually i mm. i messed up here but that that's okay people do that or you know that friendship mm. you know one of the things in pandemic and lockdown that is that people's friendships have been put under so much pressure people have responded mm. in different ways some people have literally just had to retreat into their families mm. and just deal with the needs mm. there or of the people mm. they have to support some people have been shielding um, and haven't been able to get out other people have been pushed to the limit because they've been in frontline roles you know everybody's been so different and friendships have been put under pressure I'm hearing a lot mm. of people right now saying I don't know what to do about that friendship that wasn't there for me or that you know didn't didn't perform what I thought it would in that period that for me was real suffering. Yes. And I, and I think there that space of can we let people not be perfect? Can we say, well, yeah, yes. that, that friendship wasn't the yes. all perfect, all complete everything. But maybe it was never designed to be because people just aren't able to do that. It's almost our expectation, isn't it? It's like my expectation is if I do this, my life will look like this. My expectation is if I find myself in difficulty, that person would absolutely be there for me because I have no concern or context or what's going on for them in that moment. And then we get to something like this and we're all suffering. And then we sort of yeah. don't understand why everything hasn't worked out the way we thought it would. And none of us have control over it. And I think that's yes. that's weird, isn't it? And and I think in this season there are there will be relationships out there for a lot of people that where dis, there's been distance where they never thought there mm. would be distance. And that can be even mm. within families. You know, there's plenty of families mm. who've not been able to be there for each other in the way that they would want mm -hmm. to be. And yeah, people react in different ways when life is really tough, when we're pushed to the limit. And mm. and that's hard. But the more that we can allow each other, just accept the reality of something that's happened and say, well, th this is how it was. And this was tough for everyone. And then mm. and then think about, well, how do we move on from this? It's it's so much of the, you say, how do we move through suffering? You know, so much of the challenge in suffering is moving from a place where you're just fighting with it. Like, I don't want this to be the reality that happened. I don't want this as part of my story. I don't want that to be what happened to my friendship. I, I just, I don't want it and I'm fighting with it. But to then move to a space where you've you've managed to integrate it into your story in yeah. some way 
that says this happened and here's it was awful and here's how I journeyed through it and here's where I am now and and I think moving from a to b in those two spaces really is the challenge of of moving through suffering and you know because it's just not what any of us want whatever it is mm. but but so mm. often it is part of life you obviously in your work as a psychologist you experience that you talked a little about your own life as well is there a is there a an example or a kind of a pattern that you've seen in your life and work that shows people how you begin to do that is it that acceptance first is that the first step for people yeah i i think so but it's it's not a one step sort of thing is it and so one thing that I've done is I've worked a lot of with a lot of people who have experienced long-term illness of some sort Mm. and I think that that is an issue that really challenges people if they've been previously well and healthy and working and just not had to think about health at all and then something happens that Mm. really hits them and they have to they have Mm. to really assess this totally new way of doing life and I think that's very much the part of the journey there but it takes time you know and I think as 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 human beings there's two main issues that we have that hit in a lot of spaces and this is definitely one and and one is that we're impatient I really identify with that because I am the most impatient person so far I think I've I've, I've come across very well in this podcast so let, let, I feel I should be honest <laughs> somewhere I can hear my kids being like oh you should tell them what you're really like they, they, they're really good at that so I am very impatient and I think as humans we tend to be impatient and with emotions, we, we we don't like the nasty ones. I mean, that's their job. Mm. They're designed to be unpleasant because they're supposed to motivate mm. you to deal with something, mm. to make a change, to process something. That they, mm. they, They're supposed to get your attention. So we don't like mm. experiencing them. And, and I think we're impatient. We want rid of them. We want to just move on as quick as possible. Mm. We want it to be one step and it can't. And the other thing is that we like things to be binary and simple. We want life to be either one thing or another, yep. either good or bad, preferably good. Yeah. And, and yep. when we hit suffering, we're like, okay, let's let's get rid of this. If we're ill, we want to yep. be well. If we're in a yep. difficult circumstance, we want to be out of it. We want a solution. Mm-hmm. We don't like sitting and holding the problem. But mm-hmm. most of life is lived in that kind of messy gray space somewhere in between the two. Like, you know, very few things are perfectly good. The good news is nothing is all bad either. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have to look incredibly hard to try and find mm. things that aren't dark or difficult when life is tough. Again, I think pandemic has been brutal for some people. Mm. And, um, you know, a, what, another thing that I talk to people a lot about, particularly when I'm working with people who've hit really tough stuff, is 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 the defiance that it takes to continue to pursue good things and try and hold light when life feels just relentlessly dark. And there have been times in pandemic when that's been really, really tough. And some, maybe some people listening, even right now, will be in moments where they're like, mm. no, I I can't, f- there is nothing here. And mm. just de- defying that, because I think it's a message, even spiritually, that, that it's so easy to slip into. And, and in, I talk about spiritually, psychologically, in times when we feel like life is out of control and difficult, despair is such a horrible emotion and it really is overwhelming. It's it feels suffocating, but but I love it's it's actually a French translation of of that the 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 famous verse from John that says the light has shone in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. One of the French translations mm. talks about the darkness cannot suffocate it. It's like mm. it can't snuff it out. And yeah. and what I love yeah. about that 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 sort of balance between light and darkness and hope and despair and suffering and good stuff is that. 
you know, it, it only takes the tiniest light and darkness is already lost because darkness has to be absolute to win. And so it only takes the little spark or the like tiniest, most pathetic little flame that you can manage to generate. And um, yeah, so defying darkness, that's that's another part of suffering, I think. Yeah, I think that I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because in like you say, in suffering, when everything feels so overwhelming and and so suffocating, then it can be really difficult to even see anything beyond that. But mm. it's I I like the idea that the language you use is defiance rather than kind of almost it's not that kind of positive mindset thing. It's not that, you know, it's it's a defiant act, it's a rebellious act in the midst yeah. of suffering to say, I will see goodness. And and almost that feels and maybe it's just my personality type, but for me, that that feels so much more attainable. It's like, yeah, even in this moment, I can I can do that. I can be a bit defiant. Whereas if someone says to me, you know, try and think about the good things in your life, there's always that bit of you that goes, no, I don't want to. It's too hard. You don't know what I'm, you know. But yeah, there's something about using it as an act of defiance and rebelliousness I've never encountered before. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, and I think sustaining yourself through tough times, you know, mm. is is such, again, and particularly for leaders, you know, how do you how do you make yourself more resilient? But but also, how do you release that yeah. potential to be able to yeah. step into chaos, either because you've chosen to, like maybe you've got to lead mm -hmm. people through a big change or into mm -hmm. a new season, so you're choosing to step into chaos, mm -hmm. or just because life suddenly became chaotic, like global pandemic yeah. has hit, you know, how yeah. do you do that resiliently? And yeah. I think we have to we have to accept that sometimes we will be hit by stuff that's emotionally difficult. So our yeah. defiance and our knowledge and also our decision of of how we handle that stuff you know on the days when the last thing you feel like doing is anything the the mm. defiance of saying i'm going to get up i'm going to get dressed and i'm going to go for a yeah. walk you know yeah. um yeah or even just the like the most basic first step in that because you know i, I don't want to do people down here who are really struggling with stuff sometimes getting yeah, out of bed yeah. is a huge defiant yeah. victory yes making yes. a cup of tea can be a huge defiant yeah. victory and so those yeah. those those little things but I think sometimes it can be about, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just opening the curtains, right? Sometimes just for, you know, I think of, I've got, I've got friends in my, in my head who I'm thinking of who are going through mm. really tough times right now. And for them to get up and open the curtains and just start the day is actually an act of defiance. And I think that, yeah. that just, there's so much power in that. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. So. Two more choices, two more questions. So the third choice you have to make is the playlist. So what would be in your ears? What would you be yeah, listening no, to? Yeah, no, and this this is much easier for me because obviously I don't really okay. want people with me when I'm out walking or getting away from the world. So this <laughs> is what I do. So I do really like to listen to stuff. So I have two main options, obviously. Okay. I, so I love to listen to music, but what's on my playlist is like all the things that everybody is always telling me I should be listening to. Okay but I haven't listened to. Okay. So I always have a heap of stuff that's saved up on okay. my Spotify because people have said like, oh, this is the best album or this is a yeah. great new band. And I've never listened to any of it. Okay. Or on my real zone out days, I do have my standard playlists. Okay. You know, when I just need to not think about anything. So it's going to be one of those two things. Or my third possibility, because I move between, these are my three yeah. spaces I move between, is podcasts. So I do love to podcast. I love to listen to teaching. I love to listen to interesting, 
you know, like uh, Radio 4 stuff yeah. or yeah. And learn new things. Yeah. What's been really interesting for me through pandemic this last year is that my brain has been so exhausted that I cannot focus on anything at all. Yes. I don't know if you found that. Totally. So at the moment, my, my podcast habit is really bad. Also, my phone has been pushed to its limit because I've been recording so much stuff. So oh, in yeah. a moment of, of, of sheer panic and frustration the other day, I deleted my entire podcast app. Because oh, wow. it just it was taking up like eighty percent of my phone memory wow. because I had such a backlog of stuff to listen to because I've just not been able to focus on anything for okay. about the last probably about the last ten ten out of the last twelve months. But I'm hoping as part of this long walk that I will free my headspace up again and then maybe I'll get back into listening to some. So you podcasts. can get the you can get the podcast back on. You can get the kind Maybe. of the, so so if we were if we were going to go for a track on your your standard playlist. Uh so my my track so it's a Switchfoot song. Uh, okay. So Switchfoot is one of the bands that I like, and it is called Your Love Is a Song. And the reason that okay. is that my go to track is because it always makes me smile. So what it is yes. about is about it is all the things that we've been talking about, it is about losing yourself, moving your perspective to God, but it is just about that song that God is singing over us the whole time. And it reminds me that whatever else is going on, there is this song that God is singing over the whole earth, but also over me as a person that, that is about good stuff. So that's my go-to track. Um, let's move on to the third question. So question three is how do we receive joy? Um, I love this question because the pursuit oh, of joy is one of my favorite topics. And again, you know, that I find there's all these things that I've been talking about for years and then we went into global pandemic and it was for me a bit of a like, right, can you put your money where your mouth has been for mm. all of these years? Like, mm. here's some really tough times. Does this work? Or what does it look like when actually you are pushed to absolutely the limits of, of everything? To What does it look like to do this? And I think... The pursuit of joy is something that we can often underestimate. You know, there's that old Nehemiah verse that says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm -hmm. And that Hebrew word, it's it's more than strength. What it literally means is it's your fortress. It's a tower. Mm -hmm. It's your place of protection. It's where you retreat to in life's stormy times or the battle times. And, and I think the sustaining power of things that bring you joy is something we can so easily overlook. And that's why I say that I think it's so important we recognise life isn't binary. And that there, do you have things, can you cultivate things in your life? And do we value and make space enough for the things that will bring you joy, even when everything else is really difficult? So that could be like friendships, you know, particularly leaders. I do a lot of work with leaders talking friendships and relationships and we do these things where we draw a friendship or relationship diagram and what typically you find in leaders is that they're giving out giving out giving out and you're like well, what about these two relationships here that you say are really close like how much do you see those people and as leaders we're really bad about making time for the things that sustain us so it could be about making time for those things the things that bring you joy the things that will reliably lift your mood the things that will sustain you but maybe it's also just the stuff that is always good and you know obviously the ultimate source of that like we've always already talked about is losing yourself in worship and reading the bible and prayer and connecting with god but not in that kind of holier sort of you know duty way but in a way that really does bring you joy, whatever that looks like mm. for you. But maybe it's also just in other stuff, you know, like a really good cup of coffee. Um, you know, for me, biking always brings me joy, you know. Mm. Um, doesn't matter what else is going on. 
I can, I can get out on my bike pretty much wherever I am and that will always lift my mood. It always makes me feel better. It's something that I can always do. And I think the more we have those things that we can fall back on, the more that when life gets really tough, we've got some stability. But also the more we can push the limits as leaders, the more we can step into things, the more God can use us because we we have got that stability in us. We can hold more. And and we can help other people through stuff that's really hard too. Because we're we're a source of stability. People can hold on to us. Mm. Um mm. and you know, that again, we we've sort of talked about identity and stuff already, but that that's that's a tricky place to be into when lo- a lot of people depend on you. But that mm-hmm. is the reality for us as leaders. So I think it's part of our responsibility to cultivate really well some of these habits and it's something that we often neglect so two things that just struck me in that one is is the sense of that being a responsibility because i guess like you say for anyone who leads anything or or even just for anyone who who has a certain amount of responsibility in life parents people who have have jobs that requires them to do that it can feel like that pursuit of joy can often feel like a luxury rather than a responsibility yeah so or an indulgence shift of mindset Yes, yeah. it's extravagant. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I think that that's really interesting. Recognizing that the most significant thing you can do for other people might be something you actually do for yourself. Oh yeah. You know that that's a that's a turnaround, and I think particularly if we are in positions, and it may be through leadership or your professional role, but also mm-hmm. there's a life role. You know, I'm a mum. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. uh, my I have my own mum who is elderly who lives nearby. Mm-hmm. I support a lot of people through pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. the, the joke has been we're just coming out of it now, and it's so weird to only be doing shopping for one household and like <laughs> no, right, on, yeah. only cooking yeah. dinners for two or three because yeah. through pandemic yeah. we've been doing that for so many people, yeah. and and so yeah. my natural default could be to be thinking of a lot of other people, and I need to recognise that in order to be able to keep doing that for them, I have to look after myself. It's yeah. no good to them if I sink. Yeah. Yeah. So. And again, you know, pandemic has been unusual because we've all been pushed to the limit by that. So it, yeah. it has been a good moment for many leaders, I think, of, of having to stop and think, whoa, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Do I need to think more about that? The, the other thing that just struck me was that as once you've made that shift, once you've made that shift in your mindset to recognizing that, I guess for many people, they don't know the answer to the question. Like what yeah. does bring you joy? Like, do, do you have tips? Do you have things you've done either professionally in your work or with leaders or with anyone that you, that someone could sit in right now and go, how am I going to figure out what it is that brings me joy and how am I going to pursue it? Yeah. And I, I think in general, we have to learn. So we need to learn how to relax, which I think again is something our culture doesn't teach us. It teaches you a lot about how to strive more and achieve mm-hmm. more and work more, mm-hmm. but it doesn't teach you a lot about learning how to relax. And I think we all need to do that. But also things change and in life seasons there's stuff that worked for you in another season suddenly doesn't work either because it's practically not possible again Mm -hmm. pandemic double whammy because it was much more stressful but also knocked out Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that people would have used to manage or to support themselves or to refuel they couldn't do anymore and if you love to play football with a bunch of mates Mm -hmm. you can't do that in global pandemic but also in life sometimes so like if you are really stressed or pushed to the limits, something lower, like we talked about, haven't we? Suddenly you can't concentrate mm-hmm. on your book or your podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. that doesn't work now. What do I do? Mm-hmm. So being creative and again, a little bit of that defiance thinking, okay, so that doesn't work. So I try something new and, and sometimes hitting seasons where you really intentionally do that. So I encourage people to mm-hmm. get together maybe with some friends or some people who know them well, brainstorm things that might be good. Like, what do other people do that's relaxing? 
make a really long list and then be a bit explorative with it. Try these things out, make some notes, what works, what doesn't. And, you know, some things still won't work. Like in pandemic, yeah. I, I am a little bit of a perfectionist. I like control. I definitely like order. It soothes my soul. And when I'm a little bit tense, my family will tell you that it does become important that like things are not like the fact that there is one stray sock abandoned on the kitchen floor because someone took it off and just left it there. That will that will trigger quite a reaction mm. in me. Mm. So I like that. But lots of people in pandemic jigsaw puzzles. Now on paper, mm. I should love jigsaw puzzles because it's all about restoring order. In practice, honestly, pushing me over an edge. I, I tried it. No, still no. I just don't yeah. get that at all. I love that you yeah. love it. I recommend it yeah. all the time. Good yeah. for you, not for me. So try yeah. stuff out. Are there things that you haven't yeah. done before that actually will help? And I think recognizing, again, it's that binary thing. Sometimes when mm. we're in tough times, what we, what we want to do is something that solves everything. And again, I'm banging on a lot yes. about global pandemic, but it has kind of been a big thing. But one of the challenges of pandemic no, was so that important. we couldn't solve that wider context that was causing everybody's challenge. Yeah. But sometimes in life, yeah. you can't solve the big thing. But doing something little will yeah. lift your mood and that will help you handle everything yeah. else better. So doing a jigsaw puzzle yeah. or not, as the case may be, won't solve everything, but it will help. So yeah. be creative, try new stuff out and recognize yeah. that it isn't always about solving everything. It's just about what will help a little bit. You know, one of my lowest days in pandemic, I sorted out my spice drawer. Didn't really solve any of the big picture stuff, but it actually made me feel remarkably better. And it turned out I had enough cumin. I did not need to buy any more of that. I'm literally looking under my desk where I'm recording here and I've just found these two boxes. And, and so for me, I'm with you. Lego is a big one for me. Now Lego, you see, I quite like Lego. It's a good one. And do you know what it is? And so there's a lot of people do Lego and, and it was one of the reasons I ended up discovering it. But I think because in my job, there's very little order in my job. My job is to sit down and, and come up with ideas and think about stuff and, and bring things to being. And that's great. And I love that. But what it means is that sometimes it's really helpful to follow someone else's instructions. So Lego oh, yeah. and baking. Because in baking, you can't mess around. If I'm cooking something, I can add as much cumin as I like. But if you're baking a cake, you have to follow the instructions. I think it's also about clear outcome. And I think if you work mm. with people a lot, you have to recognize that you don't get that. So, you know, if you mm. work with numbers or you write a report or a book or something like that, yeah. you've got something nice and shiny at yeah. the end of the day that says, here you are, you did a good job, here's yeah. your outcome. Yeah. With people, yeah. there's two things. A, it's just never that clear cut. I mean, sometimes yes. if you read if you read some of the books, it is, you know, you pray with someone and they weep and then their whole life yeah, changes. Yeah. And that's yeah. that. I, yeah. I just find that isn't really my experience of ministry a lot. Maybe I'm just not very good at it. But people are messier than that. You know, yeah. you, you, you work really hard. You pray with them. You you share all your best stuff and then they make a decision yeah. you don't agree with and you have to watch things not going yeah. well for them. That That's really yeah. hard. Because yeah. that's the other thing, isn't it? There's two variables involved if you work with people. It's not just you. You could yeah. do everything right, although that's a bad word because that's very binary. Like life is right or wrong. It's never that simple. But you could do everything yeah. and you think, yeah, I did that really well. And still yeah. the outcome isn't what you hoped. Or you could do it with one person and then do it exactly the same way and the outcome are remarkably different. Yeah. Or something I find happens a lot with people is that they, somebody will say to me like, oh, I've never forgot what you said, Kate. And I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. It's going to be one of my best, like wise comments. And then they say something and I'm like, did I even ever say that? I do not remember saying that. Or somebody did it to me the other day and I'm like, yeah, I recognize that phrase because it's not one of mine. 
<laughs> I, oh, I'm pretty sure you're misassigning that to me because I but, know who says that all the time and you're right, it's very wise, but it's not me. <laughs> not me. Um, we've got one more choice and one more question. So the final choice is our snack bag. What would be coming with you for this walk in France? Okay, this is easy because I am renowned Ooh. for this. So wherever okay. I go, wherever life takes me, there's two, there's two things that you will usually find one that I'm seeking and the other that I will have about my person somewhere. Okay. And the second is a packet of polos. I just, it's just like, I okay. can even show you on my desk, packet of polos. Just, it's just a weird thing I have. Like they're always there. I feel like life's major disasters. You wouldn't want to be without a packet of polos. And the other thing okay. is coffee. The okay. two things go really well Ooh, together. You they do see. go. You, you need one if you've got the other. It's good. But but I can't, I mean, I can. I So again, I have uh, my little coffee cup is on my desk. I have like yeah. a very good no leak coffee cup, but I will be seeking yeah. out a good independent coffee shop wherever we're walking. Well, that, well, anyone who knows anything about me who's listening to this will be smiling right now, Kip. But the other thing that is one of my obsessions is the perfect coffee mug. So Ooh, okay. um, you, you, there are, I think you can divide people in the world into two categories by this. There will, some people yeah. will understand this and some people won't. Okay. So like coffee should only be drunk from certain types of mugs. And again, it's yep. that thing in pandemic when my tolerance has been low. It's like, do not make me a cup of coffee that's in one of the tea mugs because that will yep. push me over an edge. Uh, yep. So uh, I will, I will always have a good mug with me for coffee Okay. And 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 I might be seen surreptitiously pouring the coffee that you've made me into a better mug if I'm able to do so because it just will taste better. Yeah, I mean, I think polo mints are stretching it to be labeled a snack, but I'm going to allow it to go. I've already let you not bring anyone with you, and I'm going to allow polo mints to fall into a I'm snack breaking category. all the rules, but that's good. You really are. Define, I mean, I, I mean honestly, you can find Kate on Twitter if you want to go to her about the fact that a polo mint is definitely not a snack. Hashtag not a snack. I'll lay, I'll leave people to do that at their own will, but um, I will allow it. We'll but you see, we're, we're walking in Paris, so we don't need a yeah. snack bag because there is like a boulangerie on every street corner. That's true. Uh, the last question, Kate, is this one. How do we mature in service? <laughs> well, I've already said that I think maturity sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I was, when you said it, I did clock it and think, this is going to be fun in a few questions time. How do we mature in service? I think what we do is we cultivate and we return to, as a practice, the passion that brought us to it in the first place. Because then mm. the maturity just happens because you just kind of have mm. to. I don't think anyone enjoys maturity. My son said to me this morning, because he's just had a birthday and we were walking into school. Um, he he was like, oh yeah, because I, I am older today, mommy. I'm older. And then he looked at me and he said, you, you are really old, mommy. You are getting really old. And he said, he said, do you feel any different now from when you was little? And I'm like, not not a huge amount. I was like, mm. I feel different from when I was nine, which is how old he's mm. just turned. But mm. do I feel that different from when I was 20? Not really, but I suppose mm. I, I am. And I, and I think that's the thing. Nobody wants to grow old. Mm. Nobody wants to go through tough times. Mm. Um, you know, we, we all want to be the younger, more innocent maybe more naive version of ourselves before life hit us with stuff. Mm -hmm. Life shapes us, you know, coming out of pandemic. So many people are saying to me, particularly about their loved ones, about their kids, like, will this affect them? Will it, mm. will it have damaged them? And I'm like, well, yes to the first, not necessarily to the second, because life isn't that simple. We're all shaped by stuff. And when life is really tough, it's tough mm. and it shapes us. Mm. But sometimes we look, they're often the moments we learn the most too. Mm. So, 
how we mature in service, I think, has to be about knowing why we're doing it. Yeah. And, and, you know, those moments, again, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with leaders in the last year where they're like, yeah, last night I was writing down every other job I could do. <laughs> like, what else yeah. could I do if I quit this? Why yeah. am I doing yeah. this? And in those yeah. moments, you need to be like, no, actually, this is why I'm doing it. I had a moment, a real gift moment the other day in, in the church that I'm now serving in where one of the uh, congregation, an, an elderly guy, I don't, I'm still getting to know them all. And plus, I don't mm. know what anyone looks like underneath a mask because mm. it's been that mm. weird season to move mm. and start in a new space. But um, I, was, I, I hadn't had a great week and I was having a little bit of a rough moment and missing my old church and stuff. And, and I was showing uh, this elderly gentleman to his seat because we are allocated seating, seating people mm. being really careful right now. And he turned to me and he just said to me, he said, oh, you are such a blessing to us. And it was a real moment of God's kindness, but also a little bit of a maturity kick. Because I did think, oh, yeah, this isn't about me. I forgot that for a minute. Like, why do I do this? Yeah. Not for me. Yeah. I do this because I get to serve and feed into other people's lives and yeah. I get the amazing privilege of seeing them grow and seeing God smiling on them and seeing them seeing themselves the way God sees them and and it's actually not about me and and I guess that's that's the thing at the end of the day how do we mature in service reminding ourselves constantly why we're doing it mm. um, because otherwise when it's tough the temptation to bail will be there <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean People listening right now will be listening to this and writing that list, right? It's like, you know, we just know that it's just going to be happening. There are people who are either writing it down or making it in their head. That that sense of it, it is really easy. And particularly in a year like this, but anytime, it is really easy to just get to that point where you go, I'm just going to bail on this. I'm out. I'm just out. And I, I don't think God ever makes us do it. You know, I think the options are always there. Mm. To You know, mm. it, it is our decision to step into things. Um, it just, yeah. the other thing I love about that story when Peter steps out of the boat is that that that's his idea he wants to step into the yeah. storm and the chaos yeah. not Jesus yeah. doesn't call him to it he but he's yeah. so full of passion and and in that moment it's like he's realized the potential if he if his eyes are on Jesus then he can do something amazing because yes. he sees yes. Jesus doing it and he thinks well this is yes. possibility and so it's him in his passion and enthusiasm he says well if it's you yeah. call me to you and I'm going to step out yeah. of the boat and you know yeah. when he's out of his depths and sinking he he walked into that no one made him yeah. do it yeah. so we get to make the choice to step into things for God but with God I think that's really profound that sense of yeah the choice to step in is really important for people. I, I'm interested in the thing you said about about it not being all about you and that being a, a, a maturity moment. Because I guess one of the things that we've talked about, especially in the, the question before about joy, is that thing about doing something for ourselves. And I guess people can feel an inbuilt tension. There's been over the past sort of five to 10 years, this rise in self-care, in looking after ourselves better, in mindfulness. And at the same time, I guess there is this sense of service and how we serve others and how it's not about us yeah how do people learn to balance those things because i think there's a there's a, there's a difficulty for people isn't it it can sort of be like how do i look after myself and serve how do i do this and do that so how, how do people balance that better yeah and i think in our culture is increasingly what we call narcissistic so it's very focused on you you are the center of everything and and sometimes we feel like the appropriate response to that is is the exact opposite you know, that we mustn't think about ourselves at all. Yeah. But as I say, for leaders, yeah. you, you have to sustain yourself. You have to live healthy life. You have to yeah. think. And also you have to model things well for other people. So you, you do have to think about yourself 
to a degree. And, and that's not a sinful thing to do. To recognize that as human beings, we have needs is not a sinful thing yeah. to do. You know, if you look at Jesus yeah. in the Bible, he, this is God in the human brain and body that he designed, but also without sin. So he's a great place to go for an example. And he's constantly operating within the limits of being human. He tells the disciples often not eating. Yeah. He falls asleep on boats. You know, he, he is constant. He's always taking time out. Walking away from need, you know, if you think about it, he was only on earth for a short period of time and he was only doing his ministry for an even shorter period of time. Our culture would say, like, you can rest in heaven later, like, blow it, push all the limits. But Jesus is always walking away from that because he recognizes that to, to hold as well as possible... The, the the calling that's on him in that moment he needs to mm. look after his own needs as well as caring for other people and that's yeah, about I balance that's, isn't yeah. it I, but i think it's a really important one because i think like you say that the danger is we pendulum swing so mm. we have this season when everything is about serving others and it's all about others and everything to be others and then we go oh i'm I've burnt out now and i need to look after myself and we go and and that's the danger with with it's a very natural human response isn't it to, to kind of fling from side to side rather than realizing that that actually there is space for both things to live together. Yeah. And I think that's our risk if we've tried to see life as binary when it isn't, is that we do do that pendulum swing because we're yeah. so caught between trying trying to make it one thing or another. And the reality yeah. is, is that it is often a messy mix of the two. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Kate, I want to say a huge thank you for coming on the podcast. It's it's been absolutely fascinating to talk to you. I could I could talk to you all day, and I think I almost have. But uh, I will have to let you go to get back to the rest of your very uh, busy and important life. But I do want to just give you a chance to talk quickly about the Mind and Soul Foundation and Headstrong, two things that I think could be really useful for people who are listening. Tell us a bit about those two projects. Yeah, so both of those projects are about mental and emotional well-being, but the broader picture of it. So so often when we think about those things, what we think about is illness, when you get ill, when you struggle, when you are unwell. And and those topics are really important and it's great that we talk about them much more now than we used to in our culture. But it's also about the wider sense of what does it mean to really truly flourish in life when things are tough, to understand yourself well, to understand the way that you act and react to things and to think about things like resilience and and normal human emotions and to understand them. And so I guess in both of those spaces, what we're about is is speaking a story into the mental wellness field that is focused on the thing that we want to get to. You know, when you're going somewhere, you put into your sat-nav the place you want to go, not the thing you want to avoid. So thinking about wellness and understanding illness in the context of healthy patterns, healthy rhythms and and issues like resilience and things like that. So the Mind and Soul Mm. Foundation is a site for anyone, loads of articles, loads of information throughout pandemic. Mm. We have been writing tweeting, recording, all around the current issues of whatever each moment is. And we're continuing to do that Mm. right now. So do check out the website, but also our social media and our Mm. YouTube. And Headstrong is a space that's doing the same thing, but particularly for young people and teenagers. So saying like, what does it mean to do life well? So we talk about real life and real faith lived in the real world. And it's about what that looks like. So sharing stories of how we overcome challenges, how you manage difficult stuff and things like that. 
It's great. We're going to put all the links in the awesome. description of this and I'll make sure I read them out at the end as well so people can find that. And of course, your books as well. You've written a lot of books. So if people want to find those, it's Dr. Kate Middleton. They can find out what you've written and get some Yeah, Google well. Kate Middleton and then go past everything to do with the but, royal family and I'm, yeah, I'm next. Buy all, just buy all of Kate Middleton's books. Yeah, exactly. I am just the work your way next through all that one. Other it's stuff. like page three. <laughs> On Amazon, just when go you through. So you got, you got royal, 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 yeah, royal. Yeah, yeah. What she wore, next what she wore, page, the wedding, the wedding, the wedding. Oh, there she is. Bang. That's me. There you go. There you go. If there's a crown on the cover, it's not the right book. Unless you've got a crown on the cover of any of your books, have you? No, you probably need. Maybe book. I'll put one on my next book. Just you know. Yeah, that's the way to do yeah. it. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Call it a royal mindset, something like that. Just do you know, go, go really play with it. Have some fun with for it. For sure. Kate, it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And as I say, people can find out lots about you. We'll make sure they have all the details to do that. But a huge thank you for giving up your time to be on the All Train podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. A huge thank you to Kate for coming on to the podcast. I just find that conversation so fascinating and so much wisdom as well in, in everything she said. I just love that. I'm definitely going to have to go back and have another listen to that one. And like we said, if you'd like to know more about the organizations that Kate's involved in, uh, you can go to www.mindandsoulfoundation.org for the Mind and Soul Foundation. And if you want to know more about Headstrong, you head to www.beheadstrong.org uk and you can find out more that's it for this episode but don't forget to share the podcast across your social media channels and if you're listening on apple podcasts we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review and you can also now access our brilliant sketch notes and small group questions that accompany each episode just search for the all-terrain podcast or click the link in the episode description thank you so much for listening i'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the all-terrain podcast